0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Life in Sport podcast. and We're joined by a very special guest. I know I say that every episode, but this is a very special guest. He is a grand final winning player for the Central Coast Mariners. Not only that, a goal scorer in that successful grand final year and multiple goals that season. Honestly, one of his best seasons in the A-League. His name is Daniel McBreen. Thank you for joining us and how's your day going so far? Yeah, not too
1: bad. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on and uh, yeah, hope we can have some fun.
0: Yeah, sweep. So, um, obviously, I mean, people may not know or they may know, but you were born in Burnley over in the UK, but yeah. moved over to Australia at very young, like six, seven weeks old, to play, like for your father to play for Edgeworth, who you eventually ended up playing for. Um, do you have, What are your earliest memories of, you know, your dad playing for Edgeworth?
1: I can't really remember, if I'm being honest, the first couple of years. The only thing yeah. I've got is the photos from mum and dad. Um, My earliest memories really of dad playing was when he was a bit older, uh, when I was a bit older, and then he went and played. um, After he played in the NSL for a few years in Newcastle, he went to Wollongong and Arpia. Um, But I can't really remember those days because I was too young. Um, It was more when he started playing in the State League, and I was a little bit older. And one of the first games I did go to watch my dad play, he was playing in Newcastle and because he lived in Sydney and I lived in Newcastle with mum and he said, come <laughs> and watch me and I'll show you how you should play the game. Yep. And he proceeded to get sent off by headbutting someone. So <laughs> uh, when I stood outside uh, the change room waiting for him to come out, he said, uh, do as I say, not as I do. And I'm yep. like, that one from there on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's fair enough. That's a very great recollection. Um, and before we get into the nitty gritty of it, did you have an, uh, an English Premier League team or, you know, a championship team that you followed as a child? <clears throat>
1: Uh, I've always sort of kept a close eye on Burnley because I was yep. born there. Of um, course, yep. Because I was removed from there, uh, and with mum who wasn't really a football person, um, I started following Liverpool like so many did because of Craig Johnston. Okay, yep. Uh, mum sort of said in the 80s, "Oh, Craig, that uh, as an Aussie playing for them," and I think that helped the fact that Dad supported Everton as well. So she yeah, the
0: good, good rivalry, up. yep.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, Liverpool is probably my team simply because of Craig Johnston. And yeah, I've been following them ever since.
0: Yeah, fair. I'm a very similar ish reason, you could say, because I grew up in the late, like very late 90s, early 2000s, Leeds United. A yeah. big fan of Leeds, and I've also got family heritage. All that like my dad and all their family, all all from Leeds. So Leeds, tragic myself, so I absolutely understand that. And also, you wouldn't be, you, you could be forgiven for following Burnley as well, but they are obviously a big rival of Leeds. So I'm glad yeah, you well, don't follow Burnley.
1: Well, it was good this morning because they uh, they've already qualified back to the, uh, uh, the Premier League, and this morning they beat Blackman Rovers one 0 uh, Oh, and that's knocked good. Them of, knocked them, kept them out of the top six. So it's been a good morning so far.
0: Yeah, nice. And Leeds drew with Leicester City, won all this morning as well. So we're safe-ish from relegation so far. <laughs> nice. So nice. far, there's there's definitely a six, <laughs> there's definitely a six-point game coming up for us. Um, but that's enough about the teams that we follow. But let's continue your your career and your journey. In '99, you scored 20 goals for Edgeworth. First of all, what was it like playing for the club that your father moved over to Australia to play for? And you know, having such a stellar like season in that year.
1: Well, it was actually funny because um, obviously I played my juniors at Edgeworth, and then I'd moved around, and we'd move. With when we moved, I moved clubs just because of, of mum was a single parent; it was hard to get places. But yep. when I ended up back at Edgeworth, the two years we had there, um, I think we broke that season. We broke my dad's team's record <laughs> in the late 70s and 80s of the most wins, most goals, and the least amount of goals. Uh, we didn't win wow. them in the regular season, and they they were the last team to do it, and that was 20 years earlier. So.
0: Isn't that kind quite, of fitting like a full circle family moment?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was good, and dad, dad, sort of let me know that I'd broken his record, and he wasn't happy about it. But, um, it was enjoyable,
0: but like, let's be honest if if he'd rather if he'd wanted it broken by anyone, it it's better to be done by his own son.
1: Well, exactly. That's what I tried to say, but he still wasn't having it at the uh-huh. time,
0: So <laughs> No, that, that's fair enough. Um, and obviously, you moved to what would. What would they to become, the Newcastle Jets, being Newcastle United? What was your time like there, obviously, with the Jets somewhat in their infancy at the time?
1: Well, it was actually the Newcastle Breakers when I signed for them in the old okay. Um, And unbeknownst to me, but unbeknownst uh, to everyone else, was that um, the club was in huge financial problems. And oh. the moment I signed, um, we never got paid on time. And we did a pre-season tournament and then I think we won that pre-season tournament maybe. Um, and then all of a sudden the club folded. and oh, didn't even get a dream, season. That was it. The first first football contract, I was 23 years of age, so I was a late bloomer anyway. And then within three months the club had folded and it looked like the football dream was going to be over. And that's when um, Constantine stepped in and said, nope, I'll take over the club, and he took us. We became Newcastle United, and we moved over to what was Marathon Stadium at that time. And um, to be fair to Con, he was—I know—in the end, it got taken off him years later. But he did a lot for Newcastle football. He saved the club at the time, and he put a lot of money into it himself. Uh, And for me, it was a godsend because you know I got to play um, a couple of years or a year and a bit before I, I went overseas, and I and I loved it. Um, the first year was very difficult. I think we finished second last, and oh. I got you know time off the bench and sort of eased my way, my way in by Lee Sterry, who gave me my first contract. Mm-hmm. And then Ian Crook came in the second season and brought a lot of, of big name players. You know, your Matt Bingley's, Milan Bogoyevich's, Peter Sakenis's. These guys came. Uh, young Joel Griffiths came as well. You know, all these guys who pretty much most of them were senior players, and at, you know, at very much stars of their day, and and we had a stellar season. I think we finished second and missed out on the grand final by, by a solitary goal.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, well, I mean, kudos to obviously finishing second last to just missing out. You know, like that's a massive turnaround, as as anyone will one will tell you. Absolutely. So that's such a whirlwind because obviously, um, the Jets in particular have gone through a bit of a financial turmoil time as well as of late. So it's, um, I really hope that, you know, they can, I mean, luckily they were bought out by the league. So hopefully fingers crossed, they can, you know, really, you could say get back to where they were eventually. Um, but enough about Newcastle. You then went over obviously to Europe um, and all over the place really. And one of the questions actually from one of uh, the, the fans and listeners, uh, Matthew Austin, shout out to him. He actually has his own media and radio station. I'll put the links in the description below to anyone listening um he asks um how did you what was it his question or was it someone else's no it, it was Matthew sorry um he asked how do the other leagues that you played at compare to each other you know all the ones over in Europe and Australia all that how do they contrast and compare yeah when you're comparing them to each other like what are the differences what are the similarities etc
1: yeah, okay. Well, you know, I can't talk for, for these days because we're talking 20 years yeah, ago or so when course. I've been away, but, um, you know, Australia was obviously a very physical league and still known to be very physical, um, you know, physically demanding. When I went from here to Romania, Romania was a very technical league, but there was no, like, this is at the height of when diving was coming into the game, so... Yeah. Uh, guys would run past you in, in the Romanian league and be a metre away from you and just fall on the floor and get a free kick. <laughs> and, and it was really frustrating. Coming from, you know, uh, a league where... <laughs> a you league where you'll give
0: them a reason, reason to fall over.
1: Correct. Exactly <laughs> right. Uh, and we had a few foreigners in there as well, a couple of African players who were similar to me, who wanted to, to you know, to have that physicality to play strong, aggressive football. And so, that, so Romania, I found to be... Very technical. Um, the yeah, as I said, not much physicality in there, um, but very good players technically. Um, but when you want to go into, if you were went into a crunching tackle, they didn't want to know about it. They were yeah, <laughs> not at all. And then I guess after there, it, when when I was in Scotland again, you go back to very similar to Australia. Real okay. physical football. Yeah, um, it is
0: absolutely. Yeah, they it still love it.
1: You'd almost get as big a cheer from the crowd as a striker if you ran across and smashed a centre back when he was trying to bring the ball forward, as you would if you laid on a pass for a goal. They, yeah. they loved it. You led from the front. You, you were aggressive. You, you were, you know, wanted to win your tackles, your headers. Um, England, probably lesser to a degree, good technical players, but still quite physical.
0: So, and like a, a mix of both technical and physical.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you might be playing against some, you know, six foot four, six foot five defenders who were very physical, but the midfield guys were very good on the ball, you know, like to get into pockets and play football. Uh, and, and, it, and it, you know, it also varies from team to team as well. But I think Australian football now, has the physicality, but also the technical ability yeah. as well. I think we're seeing a real mixture. I think tactical awareness in Australian footballers is, is massive as well. I think we're very underrated in that aspect as well. Yep. Uh, I think the education that young players get coming up in Australia, um, they're very tactically aware, very tactically astute. Uh, and, and we're starting to see a lot more Aussie players go back overseas again. And I think that's yeah, the reason. It's it. It,
0: yeah, it's great. It's great yeah. to see because, as you were saying, like about maybe 10 to 15 years ago, you... You know, it was, you could say an elite group of players that had made it over in Europe, such as, you know, the Premier League and, you know, Bundesliga, whereas now it's, it's almost a, a, back then it was a rite of passage sort of thing. Whereas now it's a, if you don't make it, it's have you really given it a crack sort of thing, because there's such a good academy system coming through in the A-League and the W-League. It's, it's amazing to see that given that 10, 15 years ago, it was a, you had to be a big name in the A-League to, you know, get over to Europe. So, kudos to the australian league for doing that and you're speaking of the a league your first a league team was north queensland fury who are unfortunately now folded obviously but what was it like going from you know the nsl npl sort of stuff up to the a league and with north queensland fury of all places moving far north queensland
1: yeah well i signed for north queensland in the january um so i knew i had a few months to go um over i was at york city at the time in england in in the conference and well,
0: that's even bigger of a move not just from australia but like <laughs> from the other side of the world cold weather to far no. North Queensland.
1: well that was it i can clearly remember the day i was at training and it was it was flogging down with rain it was muddy the york city had good facilities they had about five training pitches but it was just one of those days where it was coming in sideways and i was just running around without even thinking i had a big grin on my face and the captain came over to me and said what what is so funny? What are you, why are you smiling so much? And I just said, oh, well, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm leaving. I'm going back to Australia. I've signed in, in, a, in a team called Townsville and it's nice and warm. It's 26 degrees in winter. <laughs> and he went, oh, okay, that's pretty good for you. Uh, and then I said, the, the, the other good thing about that is that Robbie Fowler signed there as well. So I'm going to be playing with Robbie Fowler next year. And he just couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, don't nice. do, I could not believe it until I got here. Um, yeah, it was just good to get back home, really. Um, yeah. And the football, look, we struggled up there. It was frustrating at times. The weather wasn't conducive as well. The fo- you know, the football uh, going flat out with the temperatures. But uh, I enjoyed it. It was for me. It was good to be back around Aussies and back in home. You know, sort of a home environment. Uh, and I'd gone from playing fifty-eight matches in my last season with York um, to coming back to Australia for, for a twenty-seven. I think it was twenty-seven season uh, match season. So. Yep. At 31 years of age, I—I'll be honest. I was coming back for for one year, and I thought yep. I'll play one year, and that'll be me done. And I'll um, I'll then I'll look to see what I do after football. And um, things just kept continuing on. And with <laughs> yeah. less games in a season, your body doesn't feel as bad, and yep. you feel like well I can play longer here. And, and for me, it lasted quite a few more years.
0: Well, it, it absolutely did. And you you ended up going from you know the North Queensland Fury over the. A big move again over the other side of the country to Perth Glory, and again, what was that like? And can you tell us, obviously, it's many years ago now, as in compared to the teams and the academies now, but what was the differences compared to Fury and Perth Glory at the time as well?
1: Well, I think Perth were well, are a big club, uh, yeah. and were I think they had the the idea that you know, not being in the finals was was uh, shouldn't well, yeah. happen. Yeah, Yeah. it was a failure, definitely a failure. They were a big club. They wanted finals football. The reason I left, in essence, is because I'd already signed a pre-contract to go to the Mariners for the following two years. I sat sat down with Ian Ferguson, the coach, and told him, and he said, look, I understand that. That's fine, but I'm going to have to start playing uh, the players who are going to potentially be here next year. Uh, And I said, well, you know, we weren't far out of the finals, but I wasn't going to get to play to, to try and help us get into the finals. So I said, well you know uh he said how about a move I want to play from Perth so I swapped with Jimmy Downey went over there and yeah look just the attitude of the club was we need to be in finals and you know I went there I was, I think I only was there for 7 games um the last six league games I think and a, and a finals game yep. and we did well we went we we made it into the finals we lost on a penalty shootout to Wellington but um i was only there for 7 8 weeks so yeah wow. it was, it was I Probably, if I'm going to be honest, I treated it a little bit like a holiday as well. Okay. Um, football was all great, but I was there on my own and I was only there for a short time. And, uh, Stephen and, and know, Harriot, at, at
0: the time, as, as you said, you weren't really looking for a long-term thing in the A-League. You were you know, looking to sort of wind down from football, really.
1: Well, yeah, I just figured at 31 years of age, I'd, got, I'd sort of dropped down to the conference in England. And then when I came to Australia, I thought a year here. Uh, but then I'd signed that two year deal at the Mariners and uh, it was an opportunity to go play football at Perth. And to be honest, I actually loved my time there. Um, yep. Probably enjoyed the life off the pitch a little bit too yeah. much. Um, yeah. Well,
0: they did say the Perth living is quite nice. Like some yeah. AFL players who grow up in Victoria get drafted to, you know, the Eagles or Frio end up living there for the rest of their lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice place. It was a, it was a beautiful place. And um Did well, played football there, enjoyed it. And at the time, Tony Sage wanted me to stay, but I'd already committed my time uh, for the next two years to the Mariners. So um, that was the next chapter that was, you know, coming forward.
0: And obviously, what a chapter to start talking about. It was an amazing chapter of your career. Obviously, full circle, winning a grand final with the Mariners. Um, Obviously, the, the Mariners, as I'm sure you know, the history, always a bridesmaid, never a bride when it come to grand finals up to that point. Um, known as the league chokers, you could say, because of their history of losing grand finals. And um, I mean, it was an amazing season from a fan's point of view growing up on the Central Coast. It, it was, it was wonderful. It really was. But one question I've got for you is actually from Matthew Austin. Um, He noticed and realized that you started doing yoga. In that 2013 season. And that was maybe the big difference because you ended up going from, you could say a lackluster type season, the season before to 19 goals in that season. And really the only difference was yoga. Do you, do you agree with that? Maybe yoga was the one of the main factors that helped you really get that form back.
1: Uh, I would say no. I um, no. <laughs> started drinking coffee at that time as well, so it could be coffee. But, look, yep. uh, we did yoga every preseason. Um, with Arnie got uh, someone in and we did yoga in preseasons. And, look, the, the, the contributing factor really was for that season was we we had a change in formation. Uh, we had some new players came come in that year and uh, that formation and those players really suited my style of play Um I just felt super confident from the start. I think the team did. We gelled um, with the sw- slight tweak uh, in the formation, the way and the way that we played. Uh, and I think Arnie just had us all understanding the way we were playing and how we could maximize the potential for each of our teammates. And yeah. after being for the majority of us being together already for two years, and that third year, um, bringing in the extra little bit of cream, I would say, just to to add icing on the top. Uh, yeah. I think we had a the 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 making's of a, of a of a perfect season just we yeah. had that, that team bond we 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 Did we you guys go it. into
0: that season and throughout the season with the confidence obviously every team believes they can win the grand final but throughout yeah. the season obviously moods change and whatnot. did you guys like always unwaveringly believe we can do it this year
1: Yeah uh, I can clearly remember the moment because obviously the first two years uh, 2011 2012 Brisbane were just phenomenal and now oh, we are they they were our big rival for two years and they had the wood I was honors. born
0: in Brisbane. I'm a Mariners fan because I grew up on the Central Coast, so I have a massive disdain for the, for the <laughs> Brisbane Roar, so definitely continue.
1: <laughs> well, I used to have a big disdain for them. It's not, not so much anymore. but no. uh, Yeah, so the first two years, they just had the wood honours and we felt that they were stopping us. You know, you go back and look, I think we had the most points in a season without winning the league because they were just so far yes. ahead. Um, yeah. And this, we played them in pre-season where we tweaked our, our system the way we played, and we dominated them. And we hadn't dominated Brisbane in two years. We we got some results against them, and, um, you know, we'd we had great games against them, but we never but not dominated. not comfortably. Yeah, we never dominated. And this pre-season game, we only won 1-0, but we just felt – when we came off, it was just a, we sat and chatted after dinner. We went – we battered them. We've got their number now. They don't know how to beat us. And from that moment on – we just felt like... We, we, we thought, we, Yeah, we thought we are going to win everything. And then Western Sydney had something to say <laughs> about the Premiership. But, um, yep. yeah, we just felt that nothing was going to stop us to win the grand final that year.
0: And it was it was amazing, which is honestly kind of great to hear that from the pre-season, it, like, some teams, you know, get that feel around, you know, midway through the season where they're on a winning streak and they end up going on to win. They they get that vibe mid-season. But to know it was from the pre-season is, is really amazing to hear that. And... Obviously, you kicked 19 goals in that season and won in the grand final. Tell us about grand final week, leading up to the day, and obviously the, the you know the subsequent grand final day.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll go back to preseason just to, yeah. just quickly. Is that yeah. Graham Arnold set the scene? You know, he's a very good at um, setting a culture in a club and setting um, process. Is in place and setting uh, goal setting, and, and let's where are we all heading together in pre season? He got us all to write down what we wanted to achieve both individually and as a team in the year. And everybody uh, turned out, which was unsurprising, right? Win the grand final was the major one.
0: And what was your individual one, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Uh, I think that year Arnie had told me if I get 10 goals, I get another contract, so I might have wrote 10
0: goals just yeah, show- well, you, you definitely got more than that,
1: yeah. Um <laughs> So, yeah, obviously we all wanted to win the win the, win the the grand final. And so when, when grand final week came, we'd played Western Sydney uh, three times. I think we'd uh, drawn one and lost. But we just felt like we had the edge on them. The, the grand final week we played in Brisbane a couple of years before had been, we felt like the underdogs all the way through. Uh, yeah. And it was a bit of nervous tension around and um, we knew it was going to be difficult. But the week of the Western Sydney grand final, it was just confidence. Um, yeah. We were very relaxed. We watched, um oh, I always forget the name of the movie, uh, Mike Bassett, England manager of the movie, yep. the comedy befo- night before the ga- game. So that was the sort of level we were at. We sat and joked and watched a, a stupid football movie <laughs> and we just felt comfortable. We went for a team walk the day of the match um, and it just was so relaxed compared to the two years previous. Um, yeah. well, excuse me. All oh, good. Um. So, yeah, and it was just a real relaxed feeling, and it just felt like we knew, as I said, from day dot that... We'll,
0: there was nothing that we'll was going to stop you from winning it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it just felt that way, yeah. And yeah. I you know what, there was probably a bit of arrogance in that, but I think it was just awesome. more...
0: I, I think do- it was... Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, as you are saying, maybe arrogance. I don't know. It, like, it, it may teeter on arrogance, but it's also... You've got to have confidence in backing your abilities and backing your teammates if it comes off as arrogant. I don't know, but I definitely didn't sense any arrogance, you know, from the team throughout the season, unlike Penrith Panthers of the last two years in the NRL.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, I think there's a fine line when you've got that swagger and confidence to when you go too far. And I, and I do think Arnie was good at making that, uh, keeping making it in it check. So we never got ahead of ourselves to go, look, yep. you know, you're going to make yourself a target if you go that way. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think probably you're right. It probably was close, but not, not not too far.
0: Yeah, no, nah, absolutely. Um and obviously scoring a goal in the grand final is everyone's dream, no matter what sport they they play whether it's a try or a goal or a whatever and you managed to attain that you could say dream and obviously end up winning the grand final as well. Um do you remember scoring that goal and you know the feelings that you felt right after you'd scored it?
1: <laughs> I remember the feelings before because we'd missed five penalties that season and um yeah. um I just remember thinking, we'd, we'd actually discussed it. There was a process. Again, going back to Arnie and his processes, it was like, there's a penalty, there's a process. Pick up the ball, don't put the ball down until you're ready to go so then you can come back and take it you know, in your own time. Don't yep. let the key distract you. Uh, I do remember I put the ball down and was went back and the flare was thrown. I just ignored it. And I think someone, uh, Cole, might have ran and got it and threw it over the fence. And I'd already been asked by Phil Moss, the assistant. He said, where are you going to put the penalty? Because uh, I don't want you changing your mind. Just pick your spot and put it in that spot. And I just said the last, same as the last one I took, which was the last round of the regular season. I put it in the same top corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I always was going to put it, no matter what, for weeks if I got a penalty. Um, and it was just, yeah, confidence. Just put it there and... Celebration was for friends I grew up playing football with. Um, it was a celebration we used to do when we were in our teens. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it was just good. I can remember running around the corner flag and someone threw a beer at us. And <laughs> I had a tendency in the past to, to try and catch the beer. So, <laughs> and this time, this time, I think I missed it. Michael McGlinsey got hit with the beer. And we uh, oh. I just felt like we we knew we were going to see this one out. We'd let 2-0 yeah. go against Brisbane, and but we just had confidence that we could see that one out.
0: And obviously, the rest is history. And you did um, one more question from Matthew Austin. I think it is no. Actually, it's uh, from Joyful Penguin. He's on the CCM fans website. He said, um, "How the hell did you manage to play and win an Asian Champions League match two days after winning the grand final?"
1: <laughs> we still ask that question <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> um, there's a lot to be said for sports science, and I think it yes. has a very big place in the game. But um, I'm listening to. Uh, a lot of ex-footballers from the old days talk about sports science and they don't really buy into it. I think sometimes it's great and sometimes you just got to go with it. And we obviously celebrated quite heartily after the grand final win. And I know
0: and deservedly a lot, so.
1: <laughs> a lot of us stayed in the hotel. And I know that there's quite a few of them that didn't stay in the hotel and went out and uh, got back just before we left to go to the airport. We flew over to Korea. We got there the night before. You normally go and train on the pitch. and. Yep. We got to the pitch and Arnie looked around at us all and said, have a stretch. Mm-hmm. Just, just don't worry that We're not training. Just have a stretch. Do what you got to do yourself. If you want to kick a ball, you can. If you want to do nothing, do nothing. And I think, again, that's good man management. Just knowing oh, absolutely. he could have you know, made us train a session where we we're all like, we don't really want to. Yeah, just well, said,
0: We've just but, won the grand final. Let us exactly. tell. <laughs> yeah.
1: and, lo- and lo and behold, it paid off. We... <laughs> It was uh, daylight robbery, to be fair. We got absolutely battered. I'd love to see the stats on the uh, possession and the chances because I think we had one shot on goal and it was Mikey McGlinchey. And, and it was the one that away. you got. <laughs> That's it. Mikey tucked it away and he was my roommate. And yeah, celebrations continued on again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and obviously when you got back, those celebrations continued again because Mayor of Gosford at the time and former Mariners coach Laurie McKenna organised a street parade. What was that like coming back to that?
1: That was unreal. Um, I knew we had a lot of support on this on the coast, but when we were on that bus and we came around the corner and you could just see the sea of blue and yellow all the way down the street and then out into the into the main area where we ended up coming, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I didn't think there was that many people on the central coast. It was they were everywhere. <laughs> yep. And
0: yeah, Laurie said it was something like six or seven thousand people, which is half of the stadium worth at least. That were just on the street for the parade.
1: Yeah, and it was crazy. Like it just seemed to be never ending all the way down the street. And we got round to the, to the stage, and then when you looked back, all, all you could see in the distance was just blue and yellow people, uh, supporters. It was unreal. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously we had Champions League to come in a couple of weeks, so we had a Arnie was nice and gave us a few days off to continue our celebrations, and then it was back into a bit of training.
0: Yeah, back into business, which is fair enough. Um, before we get into the you know quick fire fun sort of questions. One, one last question I've got for you about your career is, um, who was like the coach's pet during that season? <laughs>
1: um, coach's pet that season?
0: Svansvike,
1: without yeah. a doubt. Svansvike pretty much almost announced himself as captain at the start of the year, even <laughs> though Hutch was captain. Yeah. And then said, oh, no, I don't want to be captain. I've, I've said, let's give it to Hutch. He was... <laughs> He was very close to Arnie. Arnie brought him yeah. over from Holland. Ah, um, gotcha. And he was—he's a good guy, Swany But he was—he was definitely Arnie's boy.
0: Okay. Yep. That's fair enough. But also, definitely sounds like he's a—he was a jokester as well, like sort of uh, thing as well.
1: Top like, yeah. Top like, not not only a great footballer. I, I would have hated to have played against him in his in his twenties because in his when he was playing for us, 37, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, wow. But off- what a bloke! He's absolute <laughs> legend. Funny as they come, straight as a die. Just tells it how it is, and just loves to have fun.
0: Well, one of my mates, um, he's actually writing a book for next year for the twentieth anniversary, like a commemorative book. He's getting stories from former players, modern, and, and he said Patrick's one's like spoke for about an hour for one story.
1: <laughs> yeah, he likes to talk, Patrick, as well. Yep. Uh, and if it's a story about something he's done, he's he's <laughs> probably. I'm surprised it was only one hour. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's fair enough. Uh, and, yeah, so we've got some fun quickfire questions for you. First of all, Apple or Android? Apple. Absolutely. Uh, how do you like your steak?
1: Medium rare.
0: Nice. Do you have a beer or liquor drink of choice?
1: Uh, I'm a red wine man at the moment, oh, but nice. if I was going to choose, I'd probably just be a beer man. Yeah. Yeah,
0: nice. Uh, what's your favourite movie of all time?
1: Oh, this is a tough one always the Shank Redemption was always my favorite for a long time I actually watched um, that
0: the other day it's a great film
1: yeah I think that's still it's got to be if it's not number one it's very close so I'll yeah. just stick with that
0: yeah no it's a very good film uh what's your favorite type of music
1: oh I'm very eclectic uh, yeah. I've got everything from classical music to heavy rock, on heavy metal on my uh, phone. So very nice. I'll probably lie somewhere in the middle of like, I'll, you know, I used to growing up, I was all my mates were into punk rock and um, sort of alternative music and rock. So I'd probably say that's where I lie in the middle. Yep. But it shifts all yeah. the
0: way. Yeah, no, that's fair. Very similar for myself, but um, mine would be like thrash metal and metal would be my like middle part, and like ev- everything else, like you know, classic to. Punk and pop is on the other side. So absolutely great. If you yeah. could have a superpower, what would it be and why?
1: Um, I asked this to my kids the other day and we had a debate about it and we never <laughs> came to
0: a conclusion, actually. <laughs> yeah. I always wanted to fly. Yeah. Just fly. Just be able to get around everywhere. Just fly. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Thank it's you. honestly it would be so much quicker. Um, what's your go-to canteen snack at the, at the local football park?
1: Uh, it would be probably a pirate
0: source yeah nice you can't go wrong with a pirate source so that's it for the quick fire questions and then I've got a few more questions to wrap up um you could say the the interview etc so joyful penguin submitted another question and he asked in your opinion who is the greatest Mariners player of all time obviously other than yourself for scoring a goal in the grand final <laughs>
1: <laughs> greatest Mariners player of all time Oh look, there's been plenty, haven't there? Um oh, look, I think Patrick Svanspike was up there. I think he was a He'd probably player. agree. <laughs> yeah, he definitely would agree. Uh he would say for sure, yeah, no problem. He's definitely me. Um look, as far as, as quality, he was probably up there. Um yep. Matt Simon for me, just well, his goal scoring ability, but also his longevity and, and what he did from where he came from and how he what he achieved and how he kept kept going and what he did. I think he's got to be In in the conversation. Yeah, if he's not like an absolute legend of the club, then there there is no such thing. Mm. Um, John Hutchinson obviously was there. John Hutchinson always used to talk himself down now and say that he's the um, piano carrier and all of us up front were the piano players. So he could bring the piano in, put it down, and he does all the dirty work while we get all the glory. So I think he's one that was um, definitely, you know, with his commitment and what he did for the club, there's so many there. Like I don't want to feel like I'm letting people down. No, that's fair. Enough. It
0: is a very, um, it's a very, you could say, um, ego type question. Like there's, but there's so many that are legends. As you, those ones yeah. that you mentioned are definitely in the conversation. Everyone's in the conversation. Anyone who's pulled on the blue and yellow is worthy of being on the in the conversation.
1: Yeah, I just think when I look at players like that, I, I think you look got to look at. Not only how good of a player they were, but how long they served the club, what they did for the club, how attached to the club they were. And I just think those guys, uh, Simo and um, Hutch in particular, those two yeah. were standouts for me. When I think of the Mariners, they're, they're two names at first. Those two out.
0: names and Danny Vukovic, who's currently playing, is definitely 100%. a name that comes up as well. So yeah. absolutely agree with those three. Of course, with yourself, Patrick von Zweig, And I'd probably say... Uh, Dean Heffenden is one of them as well. In my no, yeah. chance. no chance, no chance, no chance. I'm not giving Hef nothing. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Now Fair. I love Hef and Hef get along well, and um, but we never give each other any any praise whatsoever. We like <laughs> to do it for each other.
0: <laughs> I love. I love that. That is that is so amazing to hear that. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's any other final questions. Uh, the Ace, the uh, Asian Champions League match. Um, uh, Joyful Penguin also asks If the Mariners do finish second And qualify for the AFC Cup Do you believe they have what it takes to win it?
1: I do actually the AFC Cup I've played in the AFC Cup when I was at Hong Kong uh, In Hong Kong And They definitely could win the AFC Cup I think we need, Australian football needs to Go into that division for a little while Because we're not getting much joy In the Asian Champions League uh, And I think that's probably where we need to go If and we we will have real opportunity to win uh some silverware in, in in Asia if we're in that division i think it's probably a little hard in the champions league with the budgets the other teams have uh, yeah. for us to really like how western sydney did it i still don't know uh,
0: yeah right <laughs> it,
1: yeah, unbelievable like what they did was unbelievable it was amazing
0: it, for australian football as yeah, well. absolutely without
1: a doubt, you know and adelaide made it to the final as well which i think was incredible with the budgets these other other clubs have even when we get to the AFC cup there's going to be some of these other clubs and other nations that have budgets way way more than us but But it'll still be a little
0: bit more of an even playing field for us
1: I think so so I think we could have an opportunity to win some silverware there
0: yeah sweet um and obviously I've got just two final questions first of all what are you doing with yourself now like these days
1: um I'm a commentator for Paramount Channel 10 uh on the A-League which I really love doing of you know sort of did it part-time for six years and now I'm full-time doing that. But also um, got my own academy. Well, I've got to start in the academy only last school term with uh, Roy O'Donovan, uh, Taylor Regan and Ben McNamara, three other ex-professionals. Um, and we just want to help kids who are not selected in the um, Mariners or Jets Academy but probably have the ability to be there or or close enough to be there that we want to give them extra training sessions at a professional level. With all to the get them there sort of thing. To help them try and make bridge that gap to to potentially stepping up to the A-League level as well. So that's that's what we're doing at the moment. Really really enjoy that. Um, Kids between the ages of 10 to 16. um, And that's, yeah, I get a lot of enjoyment out of coaching the the kids and trying to help them just to become not only better footballers, but more rounded individuals as well.
0: Yeah, nice. Do your kids play football?
1: Uh, I've got two boys. One does. He plays in the Jets 13s and the other one can't stand it. He's more <laughs> car, he's more an art and cartoons kind of guy. Yep. So,
0: yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, and one final question is, what's next for Daniel McBreen?
1: Um. Well, hopefully we can continue with uh, I can continue with the commentary with Channel Ten, and it gets yeah. bigger and better. Um, and you know the uh, A League continues to grow. I'm really looking forward to seeing the B League the B league and promotion relegation and watching. Oh, C- I'm L- so
0: excited for that. Yeah. Obviously I, I hope we don't get relegated, but I'm still excited.
1: Yeah. Look, yeah, but that's, that's good for the, the whole ecosystem. I think everybody knows that. Yeah,
0: and now
1: everyone's pointing to Reckham at the time, because, but it shows that shows what can be achieved. You know what, if you want to go somewhere and, and, and improve, then, It just gives people hope and that and that drive to to make them each each club to be better and push and it'll eventually make football better all around in Australia. And I just want to also hopefully you know keep our academy going. It's only just started, but improving on that, hoping to help more kids get involved in that. Uh, And if we can help kids move into you know Mariners or the Jets or go and realise their dream as professional footballers, then for me that would probably make me
0: the happiest. Yeah, nice. And to round out this episode, obviously your career went full circle and you finished at Edgeworth um, a, a few years later. What was that like returning back to Edgeworth?
1: Yeah, it was good fun. Um, played there from 38 to 42 years of age um, with a whole heap of young kids around me. So they did all the running for me. Um, yep, yeah, they did all the groundwork work for coach. you. Yeah, that's it. I told them I'm not running. <laughs> You've got to do that. So. That was good. We were quite successful. Had a great coach in Damien Zane, who's now the Jets youth team coach, um, who I, I value very highly as a coach and a friend. Uh, and it was great, great stuff. Um, and uh, I actually was training with them in pre-season this year as well before I uh, snapped my Achilles, which is currently oh. on the mend. So. And how
0: is that going on the mend?
1: Uh, it's getting there. It's slow. It's a slow process. So I've still got a fucking
0: a, like a last thing?
1: Yeah, thing on my foot that I've got to wear. So, just yeah. time. I just, it's keeping me off the training paddock at the moment, which is keeping me a bit frustrated.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And I guess, yeah, I just thought of another question, but it will be the last one. Um, <laughs> what game are you commentating this weekend so people can be sure to catch it on, you know, um, Paramount Plus and whatnot?
1: Well, Friday night, I've got a huge game. Adelaide mm. versus the Mariners. Yes. Um, yep. So, i kind of asked for a better game to round out the regular season. Um, second place up for grabbed in that home home grand final um, hopefully you know I don't want to be too biased but so hopefully the Mariners can do it and the boys can get fingers up fingers crossed yeah um, and uh, yeah it'll be good to see them finish second it's been great I think Monty's doing a fantastic job and I think Absolutely. when you talk to the players as well um, and they all talk highly of him you know that uh, he's a good coach and then I've got Melbourne Victory in Brisbane on Saturday as well
0: yeah very nice <laughs> So. Obviously I'll tune into the Mariners Adelaide, but I don't know if I'll tune into <laughs> the Melbourne Victory game. But regardless, it should be should be good fun. Should be great to hear your voice ring out over the commentary. Um so yeah, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and thank you very much for your time. And yeah, have a good rest of the A League season. What well, what's left of it, obviously. Yeah,
1: hopefully it'll be a great final series. I'm sure it will. Thanks for Fingers having me. Fingers crossed and
0: hopefully the um the Mariners lifting the toilet seat, you could say, at the end of the season.
1: It'd be a nice synergy 10 years
0: from the the year we did it. It'd be lovely. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, fingers crossed, mate. Take care and thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Bye.